as I said, uh, I would like to uh, look this evening uh, as we close this series from the book of Hebrews, uh, just by looking at verses 20 and 21, which read, Now, may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, I slipped up earlier and uh, said that Paul wrote these words. We don't know who wrote these words. The author of Hebrews is anonymous. Uh, but one of the reasons I fall into that trap is because uh, some of the verses in Hebrews sound very much like something Paul would write. Uh, these verses remind me somewhat of the opening verses of Romans or the opening verses of uh, Ephesians, where Paul packs in so much truth into a very small space. Uh, so many concepts and ideas are contained in these just two verses we read in Hebrews 13 verses 20 to 21. I mean, it's actually impossible uh, in one message to truly uh, explain and to express all the wonderful truth that is in them. Um, but in the short uh, half hour or less that we have this evening, I'd like to do my best to try and uh, get the essence of what the author of Hebrews is teaching us in these two short verses. And uh, as is fairly usual, I've got three points. And those three points are these. Firstly, uh, Hebrews teaches us in these verses that God can equip us for every good work. God can equip us for every good work. Secondly, God equips us to do his will, not our own. God equips us to do his will and not our own. And lastly, God equips us all through Jesus Christ and through no other way. So those are the three points this evening. God can equip us for every good work. Secondly, he equips us to do his will and not our own. And lastly, he does it through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so that's where we are going this evening. Uh, so let's look at the first point. God can equip us for every good work. Look at verse, uh, I'll read verse 20 and the beginning of 21 again. Uh, the author writes, Now, may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will. Now, that word translated complete or make perfect, uh, as I understand it, it's a Greek word which means, uh, in the original, uh, to make something fit for purpose, uh, to make something suitable 
for what its intention, the intention for which it was created. That's what it means for something to be complete. It's not lacking, it is perfect in the sense that it is ready for what it was intended for. We perhaps could say that God is able to fix us in every way in order to do his will. We often have uh, builders who come when we have a problem with our building and we hope that they're going to be able to fix the problem. Perhaps the drain pipe is broken or the uh, brick is crumbling and, and we hope that they will be able to restore what is broken so that it is complete again. Or perhaps our car is making strange noises or something is loose and something isn't working and we call the mechanic and we hope the mechanic will come and fix what is lacking. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they even make it worse. But God's not like that. God is able to equip us for every good work. But the tragedy is, so many Christians, and in fact everyone in the world, to some degree, are limping through life. We're all broken to a greater or lesser degree. And the unbeliever is more seriously broken than the believer because the unbeliever refuses to go to the only person who can fix them. Uh, I heard a story of a uh, young missionary called Herbert Jackson who was given a car to help him in his missionary work. And it was a great help to him, but the car had one difficulty. Uh, The car would not start without a push or a jump start. So over time, this uh, missionary, Herbert Jackson, uh, managed to sort of work around this. And uh, whenever he had to leave his home, he would go to the nearby school and ask permission to bring some of the children out of class to help him push the car to jump start it. Uh, And throughout the day, he was careful to always park on a hill or to leave his engine running when he stopped the car for short visits. And for two years, uh, this missionary used these various workarounds to cope with the problem that his car had. Uh, But eventually, poor health forced him to leave the mission field. And a new missionary arrived to lead the mission. And when Jackson explained to the new missionary his methods for starting the car, uh, the new missionary decided to open the bonnet of the car and take a look. And he immediately saw the problem. There was a loose cable. Uh, He gave the cable a twist, pushed the switch, and the engine roared into life. So for two years... Herbert Jackson had been using his own devices, had gone through endless trouble to work around the problem when the power to start the car had been there all the time. All it needed was to be connected. Trustfully, you can see the application to us. So many of us are hobbling through life, trying to do things in our own strength, using our own ingenuity, using uh, our own wisdom. 
And yet we neglect the wisdom of God. We neglect the Holy Spirit that he has given to us. And the author of Hebrews here, he's encouraging us. He's reminding us that it is God. God who rose Jesus from the dead. Who is the one who is able to make us complete. Is able to give us everything we need for every good work. But that is both a rebuke and an encouragement. Uh, It's a rebuke because what that means is, is that we have no excuse not to accomplish the works God has for us. Um, If God is there and he's willing and able to equip us to accomplish the purposes he has for us, then we've got no excuse for not accomplishing them because all the help we need is right there. There is no circumstance, there is no situation which is beyond God's ability to help. And yet, I don't know if you've ever been tempted to say things like this, but I certainly have. And in my mind, I've said, well, if only this was different, if only these people were different, or if only this situation was different, or if only I had more money, uh, if only so many different situations were different, then I could do whatever the thing is. That's not the way God speaks. God is able to equip us for every good work. So that's the sense in which this is rebuke to us. We have no excuse. But it's also a huge encouragement. Because it means that there is no circumstance, there is no situation which is beyond God's ability to fix. No matter what situation you find yourself in, no matter how dire it might seem, no matter how guilty you might feel, God is able to equip you. God is willing to help you. Do you remember King Manasseh, who we looked at just a few weeks, maybe months ago now? And you couldn't get in a much worse situation than King Manasseh. He was one of the most wicked kings uh, Judah had ever had. He reigned for a long time, and he uh, amassed a great amount of evil in his lifetime. And eventually he was taken captive to Babylon. And he's sitting in the dungeon, and of all people you'd think, well, he's beyond hope. He's beyond help. But he cried out to God in his trouble. And God heard him, and he restored him. And Manasseh was a changed man when he was brought back to the land of Judah. You see how God is able to help in every situation, in every circumstance. So don't be discouraged. Don't be disheartened. Do not despise the day of small things. God is able to equip you for every good work. But that leads us to the second lesson from this passage. Uh, The second lesson is God equips us to do his will, but not our own. God equips us to do his will, not our own. Uh, Did you notice what it said again in verse 21? Uh, Verse 20 said, may the God of peace, verse 21 reads, make you complete in every good work to do his will working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. No doubt in your life you've heard people at times quote the verse from Philippians, is it Philippians 4? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens 
me. Uh, and that's a good verse to remember. The problem is uh, many people use that verse in the wrong ways. Uh, they use it thinking it means that they can do whatever they want through the strength that God gives in Christ. Uh, but that's not what that verse means. Uh, the verse doesn't mean that we can do whatever we want in God's strength. It means that we can do whatever God wants in his strength. That's what that verse means. The key question is, what does God want us to do? We all have dreams, don't we? Uh, and not all of them are bad. Some of them are perfectly reasonable and good. But that does not mean necessarily that our dreams are God's dreams, if I can put it that way. God has purposes for us that may not be our purposes for ourselves. Uh, I'm sure probably everyone here over a certain age could say that their life hasn't gone quite the way they intended in some ways or another. If that's not you, do tell me afterwards. I'll be interested to chat. Um, pretty much everyone I've ever spoken to uh, says that life has not gone the way they expected in lots of different ways. But God is able to equip in those situations. Because although it may not have gone our way, it's gone God's way. Because God works all things together for good. Um, God does not promise us health all the time. He doesn't promise us wealth. He doesn't promise us all sorts of things which we might like but don't receive. But God has promised to give us everything we need to accomplish his will. Uh, the sad thing is that many Christians uh, want to be, for example, a plane when God's designed them to be a submarine. Do you see how... If God has a plan for you which is different to the plan you have, while you fight against God, you'll be very miserable because you will not be uh, accomplishing the purpose that God has. But if you're open to God's will, if you're listening to what he says, then in time you will find the true satisfaction that only comes from being in God's will. It's what Proverbs chapter 3 says, doesn't it? It says, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Our main focus should not be simply on what we want. Our main focus should be on being obedient to God in the situation we find ourselves in. Uh, if you're a wife, God's will is clear. Uh, focus on being obedient to God as a good wife to your husband. Uh, if you're a husband, focus on being obedient to God by being a good husband to your wife. Uh, if you are an employee, serve your employer as though he were Christ himself. The Bible actually teaches that. Uh, if you are an employer then treat your employees in a kind, generous, and godly way as Christ himself treated his disciples. What I've just done there is no different to what most of the letters 
in the New Testament do. They apply the wonderful truths of the gospel to individual people and individual lives, to husbands, to wives, to children, to servants, to uh, even rulers and those in authority. We all have different roles in life. We all are in different circumstances. Some of us are working, some of us are retired. Some of us have children, some of us do not. Some of us are single, some of us are married, but all of us have a purpose in God's plans. And our focus should be looking to him about what he wants us to do in the situations we find ourselves in. I know I've been guilty of this in my life. Uh, It can be tempting to be constantly looking to the horizon. Do you know what I mean? Sort of of living either sort of 20 or 30 years in the future. Uh, Perhaps if you're older, it's the opposite. Perhaps you uh, live 30, 40 years in the past. And Ecclesiastes warns, doesn't it, about the danger of saying, oh, the good old days, things were so much better back then. But Ecclesiastes says that is not words of wisdom. But again, young people can do a similar thing and they can live in the future. And they say, oh, when I get a car, when I get a house, when I get lots of money, then I'll accomplish great things for God. But God's task for us is right at the end of our nose. (laughs) Now is the day that we are obedient. Now is the day that we are to listen to God. And there are plenty of avenues, plenty of opportunities for obedience right now, today, this evening, tomorrow, this week. That's where our chief focus should be. And God can equip you for that purpose, whatever it might be. So that's the second lesson from this passage. God equips us to do his will, not necessarily our own. Let's move to the third and last point. God equips us through Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, without me you can do nothing, and Hebrews 100% agrees. Do you notice what verse 20 said? It says, now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. I don't know if you picked up on a slightly strange uh, um, phrase there in verse 20. I had to puzzle over this a bit when I first read it. Uh, Verse 20 says that the God of peace, God the Father, brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead through the blood of the everlasting covenant. When I first read that, I thought, that's that's an odd way of talking, because God raised Jesus from the dead after he had died. So in what sense did God rise Jesus from the dead through the blood of the covenant? You see, It, it seems a strange thing to say but the reason is because the only reason that God could raise Jesus from the dead is because Christ had paid the debt of death on the cross now you remember how uh, I think it's Corinthians says that death could not hold him because Christ had defeated it Uh, Christ had 
paid every last penny of the debt that we owe, uh, the sin debt that we owe. So God, so Christ couldn't stay dead. God could raise Christ from the dead because nothing was left to hold him. Uh, when a debtor is in prison and the debt is paid, they are free. Otherwise, it's unjust. It's not right. And it's the same way with Christ. The reason that Christ could be raised from the dead by the Father was because the penalty had been entirely paid, finished, as Christ said on the cross. And the significance of that is this. Uh, if we are trusting in Christ, then our debt is paid also. And the same power that worked in Christ to raise him from the dead is at work in our lives as well. The Bible says that explicitly in Romans chapter 8. It says, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Just, just pause and ponder that for a moment. The same power which gave life to the lifeless corpse of Christ, that power, that verse says, is working in us. And it is through that spirit, it is through that power that we are equipped to serve God through the power, the same power which rose Jesus from the dead. That's why in verse 21, Paul says that God equips us through Jesus Christ. We do have Christ in that sense living within us. And we often say it, don't we, in a kind of like offhand sort of way, Christ is in our hearts. But it's true. It's true in a wonderful way that the same power of Christ is working in our hearts. No matter what situation we find ourselves in, God is working in us. Uh, it doesn't matter if we're uh, a great preacher who preaches to thousands of people and either to huge churches or on the TV screens. It doesn't matter if we're a missionary who has seen thousands of people come to Christ. It doesn't matter if we are a great hero of faith like Charles Spurgeon or Gladys Aylward or Corrie ten Boom or uh, any of the uh, heroes of faith from Hebrews chapter 11. The same spirit, the spirit of Christ, is living within us. Uh, doesn't that give you confidence? Doesn't that give you hope? And no matter what situation you find yourself, Monday morning might be hard. Uh, it might be dull. It might be the same old, same old. Yet you have the spirit of Christ living within you if you are a believer. And that's the key question, if you are a believer. Um, sadly, so many people try to go through life in their own strength. Uh, they try to do things in their own power. The Bible makes crystal clear, uh, we must first surrender to Christ. Uh, we surrender to him and accept as a gift all the wonderful things he has in store for us. Uh, I read a story just uh, last week uh, of D.L. Moody, you might remember the 
famous evangelist. I think he uh, visited Scotland a few times, if I remember rightly. Uh, but apparently he was speaking to a large uh, audience once, and he held up a glass and, or a bottle. And he asked them the question, how can I get air out of this bottle? And one man shouted, suck it out with a pump. And Moody replied, that would create a vacuum and it would shatter the glass. Uh, after numerous other uh, failed suggestions, Moody smiled and he picked up a small pitcher of water and he filled the bottle with water. And he said, there, all the air is now removed. And he went on to explain, that's what it's like for the believer. Uh, the Christian life is not about sucking out sin here and there. Primarily, it's about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And where the Holy Spirit is, there is holiness. Uh, our greatest need is to have the Spirit of Christ working in our hearts and in our lives. And that is how we are equipped to serve God. That and that is the only way. Uh, I'll just close with one final story because uh, you might be uh, discouraged and disheartened. You might think, well, yeah, I believe that's all true, but it's been a very long time. Uh, I've been praying to God and I've been praying for his help, but it still seems very difficult. It still seems very hard. I heard this story from Andrew Bonar, who was a minister in Scotland, um, I think, was it last century or century before? Someone better historian than I would be able to tell you. Uh, but he once spoke of how uh, he would see in the highlands of Scotland uh, a sheep that would often wander off the rocks and get into places that they couldn't get out of. Uh, they would perhaps uh, see the grass on a particular place look very sweet and the sheep would jump down to reach it and not realize that they would not be able to jump back up again. And oftentimes the shepherd would hear the bleating of this sheep. But sometimes the shepherd would leave that sheep there for days until all the grass had been eaten and there was none left. And the shepherd would wait until the sheep was too faint to stand. And only then would he go and pull the sheep out, out of the jaws of death. And people would ask and say, well, why don't you go down immediately? Why don't you help that sheep the moment it falls down? But he responded, and the shepherd would say, ah, they're so very foolish that they would dash right over the precipice and be killed if I did. Uh, while they are confident, while they are self-confident, if that sh uh, shepherd was to go down and help them when they are still self-confident, they might run away and cause themselves greater harm. So he would wait. He would wait until they'd lost all confidence in themselves, till they were weak, till they were almost beyond hope. And then he would step down and pick them up. And hopefully... Uh, that reminds you of a verse in the Bible. Because uh, that's how God sometimes treats us. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, we had a sermon on this not too long ago. Uh, and uh, if I can find the verse. 
in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, Paul writes, We do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, and he gives the reason that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. God sometimes lets us struggle. God, in his wisdom, sometimes lets things get hard so that we rely on him and not on ourselves. I trust this series in Hebrews has been helpful as we've seen how Christ is the better king, the better Moses, the better sacrifice, the better king all in all. Hopefully it teaches us that God is able to equip us for every good work. He's able to equip us for every good work that he wants us to do. And he does it all through Jesus Christ. And that's why I've chosen as our final hymn, number 772. 772. Fill thou my life, O Lord my God, in every part with praise, that my whole being may proclaim thy being and thy way. So we'll close by singing 772.